0: I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you may read on, and I want you to turn to the book of First Peter, chapter four. First Peter, chapter four. Now, as you're turning there, let me tell you a, a sad story. It was 1999. As a matter of fact, it was the fourth of July of 1999. I owned a cherry red 1992 Ford Mustang. It was a beautiful car. I loved that car. Uh, it was my baby. It was, I, I, in high school, I had just been blessed. We had a close family friend who was wanting to get rid of it, and he was selling it for cheap, and I needed a, a car, and, and my dad worked the details out, and it was, I, I loved that car. I miss that car so dearly. So, the 4th of July, 1999, me and a group of friends had gone into a local town that was nearby to watch a big fireworks show. We had a great time that night. We drove back, and I dropped everyone off, and then lastly, I dropped off my girlfriend at the time. Um, It was not Jana, but it was a girlfriend at the time. And so I dropped her off, I walked her to her door and gave her a kiss goodnight, and I walked back out to the parking lot, and as I turned the corner of her building, I looked over where my Mustang is, and noticed a billow of smoke coming from the parking space. And I screamed at the top of my lungs. And I ran over to the car to see what was going on. And I, I was always in the habit of cracking my windows. And so the window was cracked, and there was smoke coming out from the windows. And so I opened the door, and smoke just comes billowing out in, in huge plumes. And I went, Oh my gosh, what do I do? I need water. And so I ran back over to my girlfriend's apartment, screaming the entire way. And she, she heard me and came, met me at the door. I said, I need water. Pitchers, glasses, whatever you got. I need water. My car's on fire. And so we're dousing the car in water trying to put this fire out. It was in the dashboard. So the fire was coming up, the steering column and the dashboard where the instrument panel's at. And so I'm dousing water on it, trying to put it out. Nothing's happening. My girlfriend calls 911. Long story short, my evening ended that day with me sitting on the curb of the parking lot watching a fire truck put a fire out on my car funny thing about it is as I was sitting there right before the fire truck arrived the car started oh. the ignition wires apparently had melted and touched each other and my car as I'm sitting on the curb just crying my car vroom, vroom, starts up <laughs> and I went thank you Jesus I needed a little laughter but What had happened, I found out years later, Ford had made a faulty cruise control module. And the cruise control module, if you used it, could have a tendency to get overheated and it would cause a fire within the electrical. And that's exactly what happened. My car was totaled. It got towed to a shop and I don't have it anymore. It's a sad day. I still tear up from time to time and have to cry myself to sleep when I think about her. Um, But the reason I'm telling this story is the, the point of it is the aftermath. I, I got, had it towed, and, and I didn't have a car. I needed a car desperately because I had a job that I needed to travel to and, and things like that. And I had a friend, a fellow college student, who was married and had an extra vehicle. And he said, hey, I know you're hitting some tough times. Could you use a vehicle? And I said, yes, I could use a vehicle. And he said, hey, take ours. It's on loan, just use it as much as you need till you find another vehicle. Long story short, I, about three weeks later, I bought another car, and, and things were fine, I guess, and uh, whatever. But in that moment, had my friend not stepped up and loaned me his car, I probably would have lost my job which means I wouldn't have had money to go put a down payment on a new vehicle, which means I wouldn't have had another vehicle to take me to a job, which means it would have been that vicious cycle, right? That just bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. And many of us may have gone through situations like that. But because someone stepped in and helped me in that moment, my life was positively altered. It was positively changed. He served me in a beautiful way. He helped me in a time of need. Uh, It was a time of physical need, but he helped me in a time of need. The cool thing is, is this buddy of mine who loaned me his car was actually on a ministry team uh, at the college that I went to school at. He was a fellow minister. He was someone who knew Christ and felt compelled because of his relationship with Jesus to help me in that moment. So Telling that story, keep that in mind. Let's back up for just a second. I'm going to do the recap that I've been doing in this entire series. We're on a series called The Unique Us about why we as First Southern are different than the church down the street. Why every church is different, as a matter of fact. But what makes us different? Well, you have to go back to our mission statement and our four values. Our mission statement is leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. This statement right here is why we exist. It's our lifeblood. It's what we do. It's everything that we are. But we accomplish this statement through four values. Uh, These four values help define how we accomplish uh, leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. And so, the first value is believe. Believe. And the, we have a tagline with each of the values. Unbelieved, the tagline is, God's truth is the foundation to knowing, loving, and understanding Him. Without God's truth, we cannot truly have the life-changing hope of Jesus. Our second value is grow. And the tagline to grow is, growth means change. And following God is moving where He takes us, both personally and as a church. Um, and then the third value is Connect. And Connect's tagline is, hope is proclaimed when we are in relationship with God, the church family, and our community. And this week, we're introducing our last, our fourth value, and that value is serve. And the tagline to serve is, we are committed to selflessly serving God and others in the church, community, and world. If we are going to be the hands and feet of Christ, we have to have a commitment to selflessly serving God and His purpose, which means we're going to be serving others, we're going to be serving the church, we're going to be serving the community and the world. That's who we are as a church. We are committed to serving others. And so we're going to talk about serving today. So take those Bibles or apps or whatever you read on and turn to uh, 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the backs of the pews. Please feel free to grab one. 1 Peter is really towards the end of the, the Bible. Uh, you'll go through Revelation and then Jude and First, Second, Third John. And then you'll hit the Peter books, the two Peter books, 1 and 2 Peter. Uh, so 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 8. And I want you to hear what Peter says about why we serve. I, I want to sell you, I want you to understand, I want you to be engulfed in the reason why we serve. And then we'll get to the what. We'll get to the how. Uh, but I want you to understand the reason why. So 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 8, look at, with me at what it says. It says this, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now I want you to see what Peter is saying here. So look again with me at verse 8. Verse 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. I want you to notice that the first thing that Peter begins with in this passage is love. The reason is, is that we should not serve God out of a feeling of obligation or duty. It should be out of our love for the one who sacrificed his one and only son for us. The fact is, is We serve not because we have to, but because we want to. Love is the driving force to serving God. And Peter makes that clear in this passage. Then look with me in verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, we all know what hospitality is. It's we're kind, and we, we provide, and we help, and uh, we do things for one another. Um, but the, the last part of verse 9 is probably the hardest part, right? Without grumbling. Oh, man. It would have been great if he had not said that part. I mean, I'll go and I'll be hospitable to you, but I want to be able to grumble when I want to grumble, right? Right? <laughs> But but Peter points out here that we should be, going back to the idea of love being the driving force, when we're hospitable to one another, out of that love, it shouldn't be a compulsion that we have to do or this duty that we say, oh, I've got to be hospitable. Ugh. It should be, I'm going to go to church this morning and I'm going to have the opportunity To be hospitable and loving to my fellow members of a church body, it should bring a smile on your face. Rather than grumbling, it should be joyful. And let's be honest, when we receive hospitality, that's something that's joyful as well, isn't it? And so there is an attitude aspect To serving the Lord. We can't just do it because we have to. We have to have the right attitude, that attitude of love, uh, intentionally not grumbling about what God calls us to do. Now, here's where I want to focus. Look at verses 10 and 11. I want you to notice what he says here very clearly. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I want you to notice something here. There's something that is important to this idea of being a servant under God. Peter points out that we are made with certain talents and gifts. We, uh, God made you with certain abilities that the person down the pew from you probably doesn't have. He gave you certain passions and wiring, you know, the, the way you're constructed and the way you think. God designed you specifically for some special purpose for Him. And hear me clear, I've been using the metaphor that you find in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and many other places in the New Testament. I've been using the metaphor of the body of Christ. Paul uses it over and over and over again. The idea that every single one of us sitting here today are part of a greater body. And if you want your body to work, you need all of the parts to work cohesively together, correct? You know, I've pointed out in the past, many of us in this room suffer from some physical problem because there's some part of our body that's not working the way it should. And as a result, through that part of the body not working quite right, you suffer. The body of Christ is the same way. We are all different organs and parts and pieces of God's greater body. And as that, he calls us to serve a function. Some of you in this room may be a finger. Some of you in this room may be an elbow. Some of you in this room may be a foot or an ankle. Some of you may be an appendix. I don't know. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, even a tiny thing like the appendix, when it goes bad, what happens? That body suffers. If you've ever had appendicitis, which I have not, thank you Lord. But if you've ever had appendicitis or known somebody who had appendicitis, this tiny little organ can put your body through such excruciating pain that it has to physically be removed from the body. Guys, if you're not serving your special purpose in the body... The body can't function properly the way God designed it to function. But I want you to see what he says here. I want you to see some of the wording that he says here. In verse 10, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You see, your gifts and talents and abilities and passions and wiring, all of those things together are special. And they are given to you by God. They're not yours. You don't own those talents. The only reason you have them is because God graced you with them. God gave them to you. And if God gave them to you, Don't you think he has a purpose for them? Isn't that amazing that God says, I'm going to give you this ability, but I'm not going to give you that ability. I'm going to give you a different ability. He made us so unique and so varied that the body works perfectly in conjunction with one another. If we are going to be good stewards of the grace that God has given us, we need to figure out how we are called to serve. I've got to put a graphic on the screen uh, behind me. There's this graphic that was designed a few years ago. It's this idea that there is a sweet spot that God is calling you to. And so if you take your gifts and talents, the blue area, you think through and you go, okay, well, I'm good at this and this and this and this. And then you take the purplish, whatever color that is, passions, You know, I can do all these things, but I really have a passion for this kind of people or for this kind of job or work or whatever it may be. And then you take the yellow section at the bottom and you go, okay, so I've got these gifts and talents and I've got this passion. This is the thing I like to do. And then I have this type of a personality, And you take all three of those areas in the middle where all three of those areas meet, that's what God has designed you specially to do. Now, you can do anything in the body of Christ for a time. But out of the 20 some odd years of being in ministry, I can tell you that my experience, and according to what God's Word says, I'll point it out here in a minute, that middle place where it's kind of gray there in the middle... That's the place where you could settle in and you could serve for years, for decades. I know people personally that I've worked with in ministry who have found that gray area and have been serving in that area with joy and energy and continued passion for 20 plus years because they found what God designed them to do in his body you say, okay, Pastor Chad, that's great. Where do you find that in God's word? Well, we'll talk about this later in, a, in about a year from now. But think about what Jesus said when he gave us the parable of the talents. He gave three men. It's a story about a boss who goes out of town. He leaves three men sums of money. Uh, those sums were called Talents. Um, He leaves a a certain amount with each one. The first one goes and doubles it. The second one goes and doubles it. And the third one goes, man, I'm afraid of my boss. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bury it in the backyard. That way I can keep it safe. And the boss returns. And what happens? He sees the first one and how he had doubled what he had given him. And he says, good and faithful servant, now I'm going to give you authority over much more. And he goes to the second one and sees that he doubled it as well. And he goes, good and faithful servant, well done. I'm going to go and give you even more. And then he goes to the third one. And he goes, you lazy and wicked servant. Exact words in the New Testament from Jesus' mouth. Lazy and wicked. You could have even put that money in a bank and made a little interest, but you didn't even do that. I don't want this to sound negative, but I don't know of another way to spin it. God made you to do something for Him. He designed you specifically for some special purpose for Him. The question is, are you living in that purpose? And here's the negative part. If you're not Jesus says you're lazy and wicked. What is your purpose? What is that special thing that God put you together? And he said, I'm going to put in a sprinkle of this and I'm going to put a dash of this and I'm going to pour cups and cups of this into this person because I want them to go and do this for me. What is that for you? Now let me say this. First Southern is a church where I can proudly say I know more people in this room serving than in any other church body percentage wise that I've ever worked in. This church is a great church when it comes to serving. But please hear me, if you're not intentionally serving God through his church body somewhere, you need to find a place to serve. And I understand, for some of you, there are physical limitations. For some of you, there's even mental limitations. For some of you, there's financial limitations. Guys, it doesn't matter what the limitations are that you have in your life. God still has some very amazing purpose for you. There's something out there is what I'm saying. Take all those things together and equate it all together. Take your gifts and talents. Take your passions. Take the way God wired you and their personality and take those limitations that you may have. Put it all together. Mix it up and see what God makes out of it. See what He wants you to do for His church. But I want you to see the purpose. Look with me at the last sentence of verse 11. To Him be the glory. Why do we serve? We serve to glorify our Father and our Savior. That's why we take the time to intentionally work out what God has made us to do. That's why we intentionally sit down and pursue a way to serve God. So another slide. There are many ways that you can serve here at First Southern. And I'll send this list out in our email that goes out every Thursday, The Week at a Glance. I will send this list out to you. This is an overall summary. Uh, there are many, many other ways. Please hear me on that. These are the big picture, larger idea type things that uh, you could be doing. Um, so you could do anything. Be on the worship team, the greeting team. Uh, if you know church, we're always in need of people to hang out with kids and teenagers. Um, but, but hear me on this. Go back to the idea of those three concentric circles that merge together in the middle guys if you have no passion for teens don't go serve in our student ministry oh for the love of jesus don't go serve in our student ministry god has made you for something special and if teens are not that don't go serve in that area find your spot You know, go serve on our maintenance team. We have a great group of guys that kind of do all the odd jobs around here. Uh, Tech team, we're always in need of someone to click through slides and help set up the the things that that go on the screen and adjust sound. And if you'd like to learn how to do that, we can train you on that. Um, We have outreach programs that we're constantly reinventing and looking into doing. If you'd like to be a part of that, man, we would love some help in that area to Find new ways to reach out to our community so that our community can see the life-changing hope of Jesus. Um, Prayer team. I mentioned it last week. We're starting up a brand new prayer team. And guys, this is one that pops out into my mind. If you're someone who has some physical limitations, prayer is a no-brainer. It is designed for you because you can pray anywhere, anytime, under any circumstances. Um, Keep it going. Apply to be on one of our committees. Uh, we're actually in the committee season where we're gonna, we're nominating people and we'll vote on uh, people to be on the teams here in uh, December. If you'd like to be on one of our lead teams, uh, come talk to one of the pastors. We'd love to connect you there. Uh, visitation. We have so many people who are shut in or in nursing homes, and we have an amazing set of ministries that go out and minister to those people. If that's something that sounds like something you'd like to do man, we would love to have you on that team. Um, Send encouraging letters. You know, if you want to be that person that um, sends happy birthday cards, we would facilitate that. That's not my thing, I'll tell you right now. Um, If somebody doesn't remind me that it's your birthday, I'm going to forget, period, end of story. But some of you, some of you have systems in place so that you don't forget any great-great-nephew twice removed from your family, you still remember their birthdays. If that's you, man, we would love to have you as part of our encouragement team here at the church. And there's so many more. We have men's ministry and women's ministry and, and Encore. We've just got so many areas to serve. So next steps. What are the next steps? Here's this. I want you to think about doing three things as the next step towards what God may be calling you to do. The first thing is I want you to pray. I want you to go to God and say, I know I need to serve, but I have no idea where. I need your guidance here, Lord. Go to the Lord and pray. And let God remove the excuses. Let God melt away the things that may have gotten in the way in the past. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to talk to someone. Maybe you need to talk to someone that's in the ministry that you're interested in. Or maybe come to talk to one of, a, one of the pastors here. We would love to talk to you about what may work for you. If you're interested in a specific ministry, I want you to grab one of these cards right now, put your name and your phone number and or email on it, and I want you to put two words, women's ministry, prayer team, whatever it is that you think God may be calling you to do, put your information on here, put what ministry you're interested in so that we can reach out to you and get you plugged in. The third thing that I want you to do is stop making the excuses and apply and start serving. And I say the word apply because some of our ministries, you have to apply and go through a process. Uh, Here at First Southern, in our children's ministry, you can't serve until you've been through a pretty... Uh, thorough background check and interview process because we will prevent in any way, shape, and form, we try very hard to prevent predators from entering into our children's or student ministries. And so there is a process for some of our ministries. You can't just come in and say, hey, I want to sit alone with children all day. No, 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 no. You have to go through a process to get to that point. But some of our teams, you don't have to. So there's some that some of these ministries, just you need to know, there may be a process that you have to go through. Here's the point. Where are you serving? If you looked at your weekday life, where could you point and say, this is is the way that I serve First Southern Baptist Church of Scottsdale or whatever church you regularly attend. Here's how I serve my church body. How would you answer that question? And if you're kind of gray on that, if you're kind of, oh, I'm not sure, then I think you need to go through that three-step process. You need to pray, you need to talk to someone, and you need to go and serve. We were made to do this, guys. We were designed specifically for something uniquely special, each and every one of us in this room. So what did God make you to do for his body? Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for this chance. We thank you that we can come here, that we can serve you, that we can love on the people that are here. We can be hospitable without grumbling. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray most of all this morning that you would open our minds and our hearts to the ways that you are calling us to serve you in our church. Open our minds and hearts to what you've given us and where you want us. And Lord, maybe most of all for some of us in the room, help us to remove the excuses. Help us To stop making the, oh, I can't because of this. And start saying, God, how can I make this happen? Open the door. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the life-changing hope that is found in him. We lift all this to you in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Um, So now we're going to have a time in our worship where we get an opportunity to respond. And maybe you need to pray. Maybe you want to pray. You can do that at your, uh, where you're seating. Or you can come down here to the altar. We would love to have you here and and kneel down and pray. Uh, Maybe you need to just sit and ask God where you're supposed to be serving. Maybe you need to talk to someone. Uh, Maybe you need to think through that while we're, we're worshiping this morning. Or maybe... This thing about a life-changing relationship with Jesus has kind of caught your heart. And maybe you've got questions about what that looks like. Maybe you want to know more about what a life-changing relationship with Jesus looks like. I want you, if you're that person, please hear me on this. My name is Pastor Chad. Pastor Josh is right down here at the front. We are available to you. If you'd like to ask some questions, please come and grab us. Or you can always grab us after the service. I'll be out in the front and Josh will be down here uh, in front of the stage. So please, respond in the way that God is calling you to respond.